Come on, has he changed anybody's life in the house tonight? Thank you, Jesus, that you make a way where there is no other way. God, that when we are bound, Lord, when we are limited, God, you are unlimited in your resource. You are all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You're omnipresent, God. Lord, I'm so thankful tonight that we get to tell others about you. Amen, amen. Your greatest testimony that you could ever share with anybody outside of these walls is what God has done for you. It's awesome to tell somebody else's story and somebody else's testimony, but it means a whole lot more when it's your testimony. They'll believe it a lot more when it's your testimony. Amen. I'm thankful for the love of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I am thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. In that day, say that day. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to preach to you on this subject, raise up the ruins raise up the ruins father we love you tonight we thank you for your presence god you see every bit of chaos around us tonight you see every trouble every attack of an adversary Lord, that would like nothing more than for our ruin to become regular in our life. But we speak out against that tonight. For that is not your destiny for your people. That is not the purpose that you have set before us tonight. God, but you have come to speak a word to someone here tonight. That there is delivering power. That there is one who has a promise. Who said, I will, I will raise you up. I will redeem you. I will do a work in your midst if you will let me move in you tonight. And we rejoice in your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord tonight. September... 11th, 9-11, 2001, 21 years ago, we were faced with something that was horrendous, and it has forever been stuck in our mind, 3,000 casualties, it's a day that if we were alive, we can all remember, and we watched as ruin was in our very own country. We had a visual 
of devastation. We were troubled at the destruction caused by an enemy that wanted to see us crippled, that wanted to see us weak and on our knees. For many of us, we remember it like it was yesterday. It's so interesting to me that when you begin asking people where they were the moment that they found out about the Twin Towers being hit by an airplane, they immediately can tell you where they were, what was going on, who was around them. And by a show of hands tonight, can you remember where you were when you found the news out? It's staggering to see what that effect had on us. And even though it was many, many miles away, it struck us so deeply. And I was only 12 years old at a chapel service. And I remember vividly in detail the the people getting up and discussing what had just transpired. And going home and seeing very vivid images and video clips that were going over the news. And I remember seeing so much that had been lost. And even as young as I was thinking how horrible it was and a moment of fear that was gripping my soul, even though I didn't understand what was going on and I didn't understand what the next few days would entail. But I knew in that moment that the ruin that was there was not something I ever wanted to be a part of. I did not want to see devastation like that. I never wanted to feel what they felt there that day. And then going in 2015 to New York City, and we were able to visit the site there and see where the devastation had hit so hard. And now you're walking through and you see the memorials that are there and the names that are on the stones and you walk around reading of those that aged between two and well into their eighties, hearing voicemails from loved ones as they called to tell them goodbye, pictures that had been taken of the family that very morning, items of importance that were there in the rubble that were recovered and now were put up in the memorial museum. Things that they found in the ruin that tell of a story of the lives that were lost that day. The many heroic men and women who responded there that day. Not all were policemen. Not all were firemen. Some were just men and women trying to do everything they could for their fellow brother who was in ruin. Doing everything possible to go in and perhaps save one more soul. And you will hear them tell story after story of men and women who had no dog in that fight and they didn't even work there but they saw somebody that needed help and they were running in risking their very own life trying to save just one more and it grips your heart and it stirs you so deeply hearing of these stories they went to work that day not asking for trouble they did not go expecting tragedy But there was an enemy who had other plans. There is an enemy today 
hear me, that has other plans for your life. In spite of what your agenda is for tomorrow, there is an enemy and an adversary after you. And his agenda is always to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There is an adversary that wants to see the people of God in ruin and in turmoil and in devastation. And I know, I know, listen, I know that we've gone on through this thing long enough that when things are happening in our life, the first thing we want to do in our nature is blame the devil. And so because of that, we have gone on the complete opposite side of that and we have taken this approach that it's just life and that life happens to everybody And hear me, life does happen to everybody. Chaos does come to each and every one of us. It rains on the just and the unjust. But don't you for one second forget that there is an enemy that is after your soul. There are some things that are just life. But then there are some things that you feel that are a personal attack by the enemy. And I have felt that attack more in the last few months than I ever have in all of my life. And you've probably felt it. And your family has probably felt it. This one's sick. This one had a car wreck. This one's going through trouble. This one lost his job. This one's in the middle of a mess. And you can say, well, that's just life. Well, if it's just life, it's life for everybody right now. But there is an adversary that has intentions of seeing things crumble in your life he's got a goal in mind that says I want to see destruction I want to see ruin and then I want to see what God's people do then I want to see how they respond as I read this passage of scripture this past week and saw right here in Amos 9 11 That Israel is in their own ruin. They too are facing destruction. And I thought about the ruin that you have found yourself in tonight. And I have felt this continual heartbeat of God as he is restoring his church and restoring his people and restoring his bride. And he declares it in his word. And I have felt that heartbeat over the past few weeks of something that God is trying to do and maybe it's just in my life maybe it's just here at Greater Life Church or maybe it's God one more time before he wraps this thing up that says no I've got to raise some up out of the ruins before I close this book there's some that are still bound tonight there's some that are still weary tonight and they're looking around at the devastation but One more time, my heart is going out to them. And one more time, I'm trying to restore them. But here we are with things that have happened that were out of my control. On that September day, we know what caused the destruction. We know the exact moment and details of where we were. But for those of you tonight that have found yourself struggling... Perhaps many of you can also go back to that moment in your life where everything fell. 
You remember the moment you felt that first strike and it gripped your soul. I'm not talking about two twin towers. I'm talking about your family or your marriage or, or your home, the situation. You know the exact moment that it happened. And you've gone back over and over again and you've relived it time and time again. Do you remember the moment it all came crashing down? Or was it a process and a brick by brick being removed? It's been many years ago and I told the young men at camp this this year, but many years ago my mom and dad had bought me a Lego set for my birthday and I was so excited to put it together. I don't know how many pieces, but it was a bunch. And I took hours putting each piece where it was supposed to go, reading the book of how it's supposed to go and where it's supposed to be and making sure I was aligning everything just right. When all of a sudden one of my sister's little friends comes barging through the door, maybe three or four years old, and I was almost finished with this thing that I had built. And in one moment, that little three or four year old girl comes over and gives that Lego set a good kick. And it looked a little something like this. And pieces had gone everywhere. What I had built in a moment was destroyed. And in a moment, chaos ensued. And my anger grew quickly. And I felt, as, a, as young as I was, I felt God speak to me in that moment and said, how many other things in your life have you spent so long building up and so many hours put in and you've been going by the book and you've been trying to do it right, but in a split second, in just a moment, it can all come crashing down. With just one attack from the enemy, everything you've worked so hard for, every prayer meeting you've attended, every class, every Bible study, one moment and destruction can ensue. What are you going to do next? What are you going to do in the next moment? Sure, you want to go over and grab the adversary. Sure, you want to go over and make things right with them and make sure they know how you really feel, but that doesn't put anything back together. That doesn't restore anything. That only messes up you and delays you even longer. But here's the problem is because that happened in my mind and in the spirit that happens. We forget that the enemy is not only trying to do it that way, but he also comes and he comes and removes this and he comes and removes that. We're so worried about one big thing and one big moment and one big strike that perhaps we're saying, well, well, that doesn't bother me. And that he hit that building, not my building. He affected that over there and not me. But you don't realize what has transpired is there are some things that have shaken you. And there are some things that have rattled you. And little by little, there are pieces that have fallen by the wayside. And pieces you didn't think were necessary. But over time, that structure can too fall over. That structure can too give way and crumble. Though it did not take the blow like that one took the blow, it is still being destroyed by an adversary trying to do his best to see that you fall. But the word of God came to Amos, who is sitting there writing. And in his writing, you will find so much destruction. 
But he comes and he says, there is a tabernacle that is fallen. There is a structure that is fallen. But I, I will raise up his ruins. And I will build it as in the days of old. And hear me, I know that there was a physical building, but also he was talking in the spiritual and said, I see destruction. I see ruin. I see a people who have done that which is right in their own eyes. I've seen a people that have ignored my word and they have not heeded my voice and they're struggling right now to get by. But beyond just the physical building I am calling my church to rise up out of the ruins and I'm going to build something great again I'm going to build me a people I'm going to build me a church and they will be my tabernacle and I will come and I will dwell in them and after chapters of punishment and the fall of Israel And the end of Israel and the woe and the lamenting and judgment and failure to return to the Lord and judgment after judgment after judgment. You see Amos writing all of these things, but God said, I will not let it in like this for my people. I'm not going to let them die in ruin. I'm not going to let it all come to an end here. I know their own calamity has caused some of this. I know some of these children didn't do some of these things that they're having to live with because their parents did. But God said at the end of the day, I'm going to raise up a house again. I'm going to raise them up out of the ruin. I'm going to pick them up out of the miry clay. I'm going to pick them up out of their struggle. And I'm going to make it all right in the end. He said, I'm going to change the outcome. And then the next few verses following, you will find Israel's restoration being prophesied. And as I said a moment ago, it doesn't take a long time to destroy things that you've invested so much time into. It took seven years for the Twin Towers to be built. And it took two hours time and ruin had made itself known. The initial striking of the building was devastating as many watched. And then the second comes and strikes. But the chaos had only begun. How many times have we felt tragedy come and we felt that initial hit and that sting and that moment where you thought, oh God, this is awful and this is horrible. And you say those words, well, at least it can't get any worse. At least nothing else is going to happen. And then you find out very quickly that the bad can very quickly turn to worse. Have you ever had that in your life? That it felt like the bad that was going on in your life only seemed to keep turning and, and tumbling and getting worse and, and more ruin and more decay and more lives lost. And shortly after, it seems that it's never going to change. While it has been barren and while it has been in ruin, the Bible speaks in Joel and he says, He gave the children of Zion the former rain moderately. He did a good job. He poured it out moderately. And it says, and he will 
calls to come down for you. He will cause to come down for you. The rain, former rain and the latter rain together. Pastor spoke on it this morning. He said, the floor shall be full of wheat. He said, I will restore to you the years. I have a desire to not leave you where you are, but I want to restore some things in my people. Restoration is the action of returning something to a former place or condition. And that's exactly what God said he wanted to do. He tells them, you shall eat in plenty. He said, you shall know I am in the midst of Israel. And then he said, and it shall come to pass in the last days. I will, I will, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Not only are we going to see a physical building, but we're going to see a spiritual manifestation of the glory. Glory and the power of God. He said, you just hold on and it's going to happen. And that's when Peter begins to preach. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Well, I'm in ruin. It doesn't matter. He's pouring it on you. I'm in rubble. It doesn't matter. He's coming to pour it on you. I'm in the middle of smoke and fire. He's come to pour it out on you. You say, well, Brother Landon, I've had promises of restoration. I've had promises of my family coming back to God. I've had promises of revival. I've had promises and and all of these things. I just, I don't know. I don't know how all this is going to be. The NLT, it says, in Israel will possess what is left of Edom. And all the nations I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken and he will do these things. The Lord has spoken and he will do these things. Maybe for someone here tonight, that isn't a big deal. To hear that God's going to do it for me. You say, I've, I've heard it all my life. I've heard it Sunday after Sunday. Brother Landon, you've been telling us God's going to do something and we're going to have revival and we're going to see it. And, and I heard pastor today talk about a hundred soul revival. I know all of these things and, and that, that may be a big deal to you, but I've just heard it over and over and over. Some of us, we're not as affected by the ruin because we're not the ones living in it. We're just on the outskirts. We're buildings and miles down and we just see smoke from somebody else's fire and we're not worried about it. But for the ones that are there, for the ones that are in it, for the ones that know what happened, for the ones that are living in it, for the ones that are fighting in it, for the ones that are trying to pull another one out of the fire, it matters. It matters that ruin is almost over. It matters that revival is on its way. 
way. It matters that there's another one coming in to save your soul. It matters that there's another police officer. It matters there's another fireman. It matters there's another young person that comes in declaring the word of the Lord. It matters that there's somebody heralding the good news, telling you, you too can be saved. Follow me. I'll show you a way out of here. When all you've seen is dry and barrenness and death and a servant comes back and he says, I see a little cloud. Why are you shouting? I just said it was little. I know. But you don't know the dryness I've been in. You don't know the place that I've been in. You don't know the ruin I've had to live with. So you tell me rain's coming. I don't care if it's a drop. I'm going to rejoice for the drop. Because I need the rain. I need the rain. I need the rain. Okay, so Pharaoh calls you and he wants you to come. Big deal. Oh, let's rewind this. Let me take you back to when my brothers hated my guts. Let me take you back to where it all began. And my life just somehow just kept spiraling downward and and my own brothers threw me in a pit and they talked about murdering me and they sold me to slavery and then I get somewhere where I just just see a bright light at the end of the tunnel and and then all of a sudden chaos ensues again and I find myself in a prison of a false accusation against me and and now I'm down here and then the people that that are supposed to remember me they forget me and I was left here so pardon me just a moment moment for when I just heard the news that somebody was calling for me from Pharaoh's house that I don't rejoice just a moment because you don't know the ruin I've been in you don't know the places I've been and so if I'm getting called up higher if I'm getting told that I need to be there because he needs somebody to interpret his dreams then I'm going to rejoice for just a moment because you don't know like I know when all you know is defeat it's worth getting excited to know that the Pharaoh is calling you higher when you've been in ruin and a prophetic word comes forth and declares I am going to raise up his ruins Even though devastation was there and it was trouble and trouble and trouble and trouble and for poor Amos to to sound like gloom and doom to be writing and prophesying all of these things and all of a sudden God speaks to him and says, but I am about to raise up his ruins. Don't you know what Amos must have felt inside after so much trauma and so much death and so much destruction to be able to say oh I know what it's been like but it's not going to be that way much longer because he declared it he said he's fixing to turn it and he's about to raise somebody up out of their ruins the NLT it goes on to say and the time will come says the Lord when the grain and grapes 
will grow faster than they can be harvested. That it's happening there. It's moving and things are progressing in such a way they can't even contain the blessings of God. And they can't even work the fields enough because God is just pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. And they're saying, we don't even have enough help. We don't have enough work to get it done. And I believe Pastor kind of alluded to that today. That how are we going to be prepared? How are we going to be ready? God is speaking that right here to his children. He said, and then they terrace vineyards on the hills that will drip with sweet wine. I will bring my exiled people of Israel back from distant lands and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them again. You hear me, God saying, I'm not only interested in you drawing you back and pulling you up out of the ruin, but I'm wanting a people to get involved in the work of God again and build up the cities of the place you used to live and the prayer closet you used to pray in and the dedication you used to have and the walk with God you used to have. I'm trying to stir up a people tonight in Webster, Texas and say I've come to pull you up not just so you could admire where you are and look at the ruin around you but so that you could get to work and build your ruined city again and live in them again. He said, I will give you a land and you'll never again be uprooted from that land I have given you, says the Lord your God. The message closes it out like this. God, your God says so. You ought to declare that over your situation right now. I don't care what I've been seeing. My God said so. My God said he's going to raise me. My God said I'm going to see revival. My God said my loved one's coming. I don't care what I see. I don't care what God said so. Well, how do you know? Because God said so. Well, well, you're, you're all in the ruins. You're all in the mess. You're all in the heap. God said so. God said we're going to have revival. God said we're going to have breakthrough. God said we're going to have victory. God said he preparing us a place for us to go someday. You keep living. You keep serving. You keep doing what God has called you to do. God said so. But some of us only know hurt. Some of us wonder how we will ever see healing again. And it almost seems like a lost cause. But there is a redeemer and a restorer who said so. He declared it and said, I'm going to make it happen. There was a young boy who spent many hours building a little sailboat, crafting it down to the finest detail. He then took it to a nearby river to sail it. When he put it in the water, however, it moved away from him so quickly that he could not catch up to it. The strong wind and current carried the boat away and the heartbroken boy knew how hard he would have to work to build another sailboat. Farther down the river, a man found the little boat and took it to a town and sold it to a shopkeeper. Later that day, as the boy was walking through town, he noticed the boat, his boat, in that store window. Entering the store, he told the owner that the boat belonged to him. 
It had his own little marks on it, but he could not prove to the shopkeeper that the boat was his. The man told him the only way he could get this boat back was to buy it. And the boy wanted it back so badly that he did exactly that. As he took the boat from the hand of the shopkeeper, he looked at it and said, Little boat, you are twice mine. I made you and I bought you. It takes time to clean up a mess, but one that knows what to do with it is God. And he says, I will go to any length. It was mine. It belongs to me. And there was an adversary. There was one that happened to find it in a heap of trouble and sold it. And it was in bondage. It was somewhere else. But God came and he said, oh, that one's mine. That one belongs to me. That one is something that I, well, you're going to have to purchase it. You're going to have to pay for it. And he said, I'll do whatever I've got to do because it belongs to me. That one belongs to mine and he takes you in his arms again and he looks at you and he says brother Miller you're twice mine I bought you again I restored you into my arms again I brought you from where you've been I don't know the trouble that you've gone through I don't know how you got to this place that you're in but I'll purchase you again and I'll restore you back to where you belong It costs something for restoration. Well, you see, it took seven years to build two twin towers. It took eight years to build the one that stands in its place now, costing $3.9 billion. And the cost of the original two would have been considered $3.56 billion. In 2022. Brother Shoemake said one time. Never forget. That the price he paid to restore you. Was much higher than the cost he paid to create you. So you've seen devastation. And while time does not heal all wounds. Time does help the ruins be eradicated. For the cleanup Of the 1.8 million tons of wreckage. From the World Trade Center site. Took nine Months, nine months of picking up stones, nine months of cleaning debris, nine months of sweeping and and moving things along. And I know it's hard to visit the site of the wreckage and it's hard to go back in your mind to that moment where you were hurt and the moment devastation struck. And I know it's hard to see revival when all you see is rubbish And all you see is rocks and all you see is trouble and turmoil. And being there that day, I can only imagine that the vision was hardly there at all. That what could be in this place was probably not the first thing somebody thought of. But it was the devastation and the ruin that was there. And it's so hard to see what you're supposed to see. When all you see is the ruin that you're in. But Nehemiah was told... The people are in great affliction. Oh yeah. And the wall is broken down. And the gates are burned with fire. Your defense, your protection, your guarding, it's all down. It's in heaps. It's in ruin. 
But Nehemiah began to weep. That's what we would do. We would begin to weep. And we would begin to cry because that's what ruin does. But it says he began to weep and pray and fast. You see all this destruction, Nehemiah? You see all this trouble, all this calamity? And how does he respond? But by come, let us build. Come and let us build. Bro, we're in ruin. We're in the middle of a mess. We're in the middle of chaos. And your grand idea is to build. Your grand thoughts here are to erect something new when what we had is torn down and in pieces. He's then made fun of and ridiculed and mocked, but he said, we will arise and build. Verse 4, it says, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish? And they said, what if they rebuild and a fox will climb on it? It's going to fall. That thing's so pitiful. Nothing is going to work. Nothing's going to keep this thing up. It's in ruins. It's just going to fall again. Your life you're trying to build up, the, the, the things you're trying to see happen in your family, it's just going to fall and crumble again. So, we built the wall for the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to get in there and to get the job done. In spite of the ruin, in spite of where we're at, in spite of what we're facing, there were a people who had a mind to work. And they said, whatever we've got to do to build it, we're going to build it. Whatever we've got to do to get ourselves out of the ruin, we're going to do it. I can't live here any longer. I can't be content here any longer. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get out of the place that I have been. But you see, we come and we see the scattered pieces everywhere and we keep coming back to the site and we just admire it and we sulk and we cry and we weep and we keep coming back and visiting those old hurts and those old wounds. And I just begin to think today what a tragedy it would be if at that memorial site today there was still piles of rubble and there were still piles of steel there just lying in wait, just lying there in the rubbish and people come by and every time they see all of that, it would grieve them all over again and, and no doubt it would cause so much hurt all over again and what an eyesore it must be to keep coming back over and over again and you're just trying to walk to your job and well there's what used to be that used to be where the twin towers were but now it's just a heap now it's just in ruins but there were a people there was somebody at some point in time that said, come on, we've got some cleaning up to do. We can't just sit here and stay content with the ruin any longer. We've got to start cleaning up this mess. We've got to start getting our, our breath back and we got to shake the dust off and we're going to let the soldiers take care of their business. We're going to let the army go and do what they do best. But for those of us here that are on ground zero, 
zero. We're going to get to work and we're going to start cleaning up. Here, take this stone. Come on, let's clean up together. Come on, let's clean up the ruins. If there's anybody here, let's pull them up and let's get them help. Let's clean up the area. Stop visiting those old places and the old hurts in your life and find somebody and say, will you help me clean it up? Will you help me build something again? And God's word to Greater Life Church tonight is to tell somebody, I am raising you up, not so you can sit there and look at the hurt and look at the trouble and look at your past, but so you can start clearing it up for what I'm about to do, for the work I'm about to begin, for the building I'm about to erect. If you would get to work... Let's stand all over this house. Nehemiah 4.10 Judah said the strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed. And there is much rubbish. We cannot build this wall. There's too much ruin for us to build. Well, alright. Then we'll just go home. Our world's too dark to have revival. All right? We'll we'll leave tonight and turn off the lights and lock the doors and that's it. You can't see what God has for you in this hour. There's no way. Nehemiah says, so we labored in the work. 5 and 16, he said, I continued in the work. Six and three, they said, hey, they need you down here. They need to talk to you. He said, hold on. I can't come right now. I'm doing a great work. I can't get distracted by all this other stuff. I've got a wall to build. I got some things that I need to see finished. And so six and 15 says, so the wall was finished. Ruin is no respecter. But hear me tonight, God does not intend on you staying where you are. He's trying to raise somebody up and ready to get rid of the ruin. Colossians 1, verses 16 through 23 in the message translation. They're going to put it up for you. For everything. Absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, He organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, He's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is He, so expansive that everything 
of God finds its proper place in Him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. What's that mean? That means all that ruin, all of the trouble, all of the stuff that's in pieces around you. People and things. Animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. All because of his death. His blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time you all had your backs turned to God thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, but now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust. Constantly tuned in to the message. Careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message. This is it. This is everything I've got to say. There's no other message except God brought me up out of ruin out of my place of darkness he called me out of darkness and brought me into marvelous light don't ever forget the message don't ever forget where God brought you from don't ever forget the ruin that you once saw he said just this one every creature under heaven gets it the same message I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. I wonder if you could say that tonight. I, Landon, am a messenger of this message. I know that I was lost, but because of his death on Calvary, because his blood poured out for me, because he redeemed me and restored me, because of that, I am a messenger of this message. I am twice His. He formed me and He redeemed me. You have an option tonight. I can stay in the rubbish or I can have revival. I can stay in the ruin or I can say, no, I'm going to start building. I'm going to get back to the work God called me to. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be caught off guard anymore. And God has come to tell somebody here tonight, I know where you've been. I know what you've been up against and what you've been facing. And I've come to tell you, I'm going to raise up the ruins. I'm going to begin to pull your hand from the rubbish. And I'm going to lift you up out of all that you've been surrounded by 
by and I'm going to set you back on your feet. I'm going to brush you off and I'm going to let you get back to the work that I have called you to do. I'm going to let you come back into my presence again with joy and with a song of thanksgiving. I wish some of you tonight would begin to rise up out of the rubble and shake the dust from you. Come to an altar tonight and say, my God said so. Hold on, you're supposed to stay there. No, I'm coming out because he said so. I'm going to see revival because he said so. I'm going to see victory because he said so. Come on, declare it over yourself tonight. I'm going to see revival. I'm going to see it in my family. I'm going to see it in my spirit. I'm going to see it in my youth group. I'm going to see it in my Sunday school class. He cut a rubber sandal of